0: I'm Jennifer Isabella,
1: and I'm Keith Johnston,
0: your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today we're joined by senior analysts, Angelina Janis and Sue Doyle to talk about how collaboration strategies and culture can help CX leaders foster better experiences across the organization. Welcome both. Thank you. Happy to be here. Me too.
2: This is one of our favorite topics.
1: All right, well, let's just get into it Um, today. We're going to focus on customer experience transformation to get right into it. um, We often refer to the customer experience leader or CX leader. Um, let's just understand who exactly that is and who might be the champion of this particular initiative.
2: So they may have a title chief experience officer or chief customer officer, um, or they may have, you know, they may actually be a chief revenue officer. We see all different flavors of this, but they can't do this alone. Uh, When Angelina and I look at organizations, it has to be a team effort. Uh, I know that sounds very rah-rah, but there is no uber gigantic team that's going to get all done
1: yeah and you 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 went straight for it with uh collaboration. you believe that collaboration is the anchor to this transformation effort is that correct?
2: Well, it has to be uh, because we were skeptical <laughs> initially, but Angelina and I worked through I think it was four hundred and fifty organizations we looked at um their cX orgs we looked at how they worked um and we found patterns of collaboration. It's not just about making friends, influencing people um It's, you know, there are specific strategies around it that play to an organization's strengths. You can't be something that you're not. Yeah. And here's the thing. CX functions are relatively
3: new in the history of business, right? And they grew up in the strangest of places, just like Sue said, revenue, marketing, marketing, Customer service. And if you're thinking about the culture in those different parts of the organization, you get very different skill sets, very different personalities, and ultimately very different CX functions that have collaboration skills that are different from other parts of the organization.
1: So now that uh, we're in a little bit of a maturity curve here, so I understand what you're saying. There is no one way to organize around the customer. And you started to say it is that if the initiative is to grow revenue or, you know, deliver better customer satisfaction um, or just get more customers, like, there there has to be competing goals. And so there is no one-size-fits-all. Tell us where to start.
2: Yeah, there is no one blueprint. And, and you're right, there is no one-size-fits-all. And I don't want to answer that question with, it depends, That that's annoying. Um, but <laughs> that is. you know, some, sometimes it started with, you know, the, um, a tiger team, right? I mean, executive or CEO said, Hey, go build me a voice of the customer program, or we need to prevent churn, right? And because it was a tiger team or a project or customer service, go take care of this. There wasn't a lot of structure. There wasn't a lot of care about how do you grow this? And that's one big reason that we spend a lot of time with clients on that next step. How do you fund and scale the function now that you have something going? Um, it's it's also interesting, you know, that executive point of view leads into some of the global 100 research we did. We looked at the largest companies in the world. Uh, the smallest one I think is 80 billion in revenue. They're, they're pretty big. Um, and 75% of them say that they deeply care about customers, but only 36% of them, you know, half that number, actually commit to customer goals in their shareholder materials. So there's a big difference between customer love and customer commitment.
1: Yeah, so let's push that farther because different executives have different goals and Angelina and you in particular, you believe that you need a common purpose, uh, which makes total sense, but we have competing goals, but there's a common purpose. Like talk about how do you get there and then how do you get that purpose to align those goals?
3: Right, ultimately what CX leaders are trying to drive are shared behaviors around the customer because we could design the perfect product for the customer, but the services fail. We could lift up the services, but the end-to-end experience isn't there. So we need to get the entire organization behaving under the same uh, values and under the same purpose. So establishing a clear CX vision is huge. Aligning under that purpose is huge Uh, and collaboration is ultimately sharing behaviors to get to those goals together.
1: So to get these goals aligned, to establish that common purpose, do you really need to go to the top of the organization or can there be a champion to get these collaborations uh, inspired and, and activate them throughout the organization?
3: I'm sorry to say that if your CEO is not on board with your CX vision, it's not going to happen.
1: That's a tip for today.
0: <laughs> but is it a combination of both, ideally, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Right. From the top, but you you establish so, uh, champions across the organization.
1: So is the the CEO really needing to show like a, a level of empowerment to an individual or is it many people?
3: It is both, yeah. They The CEO needs to publicly state that we are working together differently to achieve this CX vision. But then how it actually happens, that is not the CEO's reality at all. It is the reality of boots on the ground. It's the reality of teams coming together, doing what we call in culture work, boundary spanning, understanding how we work differently and how we work similarly to get things done. And uh, in this research, uh, Sue and I categorized those ways of working based on strengths, your existing strengths, your existing knowledge, so that you could come together in an effective way.
2: Yeah, we have a whole assessment around the strengths um, and many clients ask, well, where do I fit? they can take the assessment or they can take this quick personality quiz called the 60 second personality quiz to figure out what camp they fall into. It may be multiple, but a lot of it has to do with how an organization, how colleagues talk about the organization, how they talk about themselves. So it could be, hey, we're data geeks, you know, insights are a competitive advantage, right? That's one um, strength. Another one could be, you know, we live our brand values. It's very brand oriented, you know, our people are our company, that's another strategy. Um, Another one is around journeys, you know, custom, you know, companies who have committed to um, journey centricity may say, Hey, we think of our personas as real people (laughs) and we're on a mission, right. To make life better for our customers. Um, The fourth strategy is the process geek strategy. This may be a company that has invested heavily into lean um, six Sigma. And they're like, we're process geeks, we're products, we're engineers, we're problem solvers. That's who we are. And finally, the fifth strategy is around growth strategies. And that is, you know, sales is the holy grail. And there's a whole strategy around that too.
0: So, is this groups or departments are taking these assessments and then we're bubbling up to the organizational level? Are you understanding, okay, this group is more oriented this way, but ultimately we want to be settling on, okay, we're going to be. Brand values is gonna be our sort of North star and this is what we're kind of uh, taking this approach.
2: Yeah, it could be actually really good combinations as well, right? That we're process geeks who also care about brand. Actually, it's a more unusual combination, but it's there. (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, But for instance, if you were very uh, journey centric and you were interested in growth strategies, you may focus on prospect journeys, right? It's about bringing new growth in the door Uh, not just about keeping customers loyal, Uh, but it has to be top down. I mean, the executive team has to believe it. Mm. And Angelina, you're right. The CEO has to be bought in, but there has to be funding and resources behind this, right? This cannot just be, you know, a a little project here or there or a nice to have. Um, The commitment has to be a financial commitment as well as, you know, a verbal commitment.
1: So uh, after we go through the personality analysis we got to pick a strategy. Uh, I want to go deeper on the, uh, break silos with journeys. I'm fascinated with that one because we all know that there's only one customer life cycle yet. Many executives actually choose a piece of it, um, or are just responsible for a piece of it. And so they might have their own point of view. Let's break down, uh, that whole idea of just rallying around the the customer journey. Yeah.
2: Well, rallying around the customer journey, um, can get complicated because there are many journeys. I recently worked with a set of utility companies and they had, I think there was one utility company that had a journey atlas of 50 different journeys, right? Which you can't possibly focus on that. How do you pick? Um, So it's picking the journey, right? The moments that matter in the journey and also the personas, right? Look at B2B firms. um, Some B2B firms have hundreds of personas. It's by business line, it's by product line, it's by region, um, it's persona proliferation. But getting back to Um, getting really journey-centric. A good example of this is, and they're a a B2B firm, uh, Sage Software. They're based in the UK and they sell to small and medium-sized businesses. And they even published their customer journey in their annual report. That's how committed they are to it. Uh, And one of their big pushes as an organization was to go from on-premises software to the cloud. And so Their organization is based around journeys. It's about, you know, how do you raise awareness and land a new customer? How do you onboard them? How do you support them? How do you look at expanding that relationship so they buy more modules from you? They sell accounting, payroll, HR, Uh, and then how do you look at renewal? And because they were so focused on journeys from 2019 to 2021, they were able to increase their cloud adoption from about 51% to 68%. Going from like a half to two thirds just by being journey centric. So there's some real monetary rewards around it too. I'll give another example from
3: HP. So their printer business was shrinking, uh, and they really needed to understand the customer journey because it was a rough. It was a rough journey. It was the unboxing, it was the warranty process, and they just simplified it. One simple journey for the entire organization to understand one series of pain points for everyone to chip in on. And it was clear, you know, here's where the where the warranty is causing pain. Here's where the unboxing is causing pain. Here's where the actual printer process is causing pain. Everyone realized they owned part of that journey. But again, focus to start was on one simple journey so that everyone could come together and kind of understand what their role was going to be.
1: That's interesting. Um, I want to go back slightly to the collaboration because uh what you're making me think about angelina is just this idea that if you're if people are really accountable and all those different departments are actually sharing many breakdowns uh you know in the in the customer experience then uh there's probably more things going on and i think the uh the most broken companies we get are the ones that come to us and just ask us to help them reorganize their company instead of getting down to it, which is comes down to culture and leadership. So what are the first couple of things that I might need to do if I realize that my culture is just fractured? Because if the culture is fractured, then all these collaborations aren't happening.
3: Well, the first thing you might have to do is clean house. If your culture is fractured, you have leaders that are not supporting the culture properly. Again, I'm the one that has to deliver the bad news go figure out what the root of your culture problems are. If there isn't a culture of collaboration, uh, where are those blockers to collaboration? Do they just not have the bandwidth to collaborate and we are forcing them into very functional roles where they aren't looking to work cross-functionally? If so, then then that's not a people problem. That's That's maybe a management problem we can solve. But if there are leaders that are not willing to get everyone on board to collaborate for the customer to share in solving customer problems and that's a people problem that we uh
2: to put it kindly need to solve so i would say people is a big part of it Uh, very often when we have a client tell us they need a new org chart it's because they have a new ceo or a new management team Um, but the other thing too is metrics alignment right i mean people's metrics have to be aligned. If you have different parts of the organization that get comped for different things, um, that's a conflict. And that's one of the reasons that with some of the collaboration strategies work, we're looking at aligned metrics. How do you align those metrics? So you're thinking about the same things. Uh, if it's sell, 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 um, at any cost, then, you know, customer experience may be lost in that mix, but it's really looking at, you know, that alignment, which is metrics are very often set by function and division. Um, so, That requires everything.
1: So just like all the questions we get around organization, um, the next best place for people to pick on is process. You actually have this idea of action through process improvement. I want to hear more about that because uh, just going back to the culture, you need to establish a culture for people to feel willing Uh, and able to identify processes that are broken, change them, perhaps fix them with some technologies. Um, How do you build a culture or a process-oriented culture that is willing to challenge the status quo and make those changes to lead a transformation effort like that?
2: Well, I have a couple of examples. I don't know, Angelina, if you want to pull one in. One of them is uh, the retail space. This is Best Buy. And Best Buy was an early case study for someone who was committed to customer experience as well as to Six Sigma, they blended the two. And so they had a supply chain transformation in play to fight against Amazon and the like um, to be able to get inventory closer to customers so they could ship it faster, right? People are used to having a day or two days. Um, So they accelerated that during the pandemic and they were able to take their thousand plus stores, change the processes in the supply chain as well as within the store so they could provide curbside pickup within 30 minutes of someone placing an order, huge. Um, As a result of that, 83% of their customers who would recommend Best Buy would recommend Best Buy based on curbside pickup, which was a completely new service. So that's a retail example. Um, For another example, I'll talk about Cement. This is Heidelberg Cement. Maybe not the first company you would think of Uh, for great CX, but they had a culture of problem solvers, like we are problem solvers, we are process people, we're going to make things better for our customers. And they started optimizing their routes so that customers would get deliveries faster, um, that they'd be able to track those deliveries with transparency, and they even switched to waterproof bags, so cement quality uh, remained high.
1: Angelina, do you have a couple examples?
2: Yeah, Virgin Money comes to mind. Um,
3: And not just processes uh, directly with the customer, which they did work on. For example, they rethought how they were rooting customers to solve their problems. So customers would call in with an issue and they they worked cross-functionally to figure out where those customers should go. And that dropped complaints significantly. Um, So getting a customer to an expert, there are a lot of Uh, internal resources you can use to determine who is the expert, how do we position the expert, how is the expert there when the customer calls to the right person at the right time. There's a lot of processes that go into that to get that right. And then on the back end, on more of the collaborative side, um, they were going through a pretty big merger and they took a best of both, quote, best of both approach uh, for their CX teams coming together to determine how are we going to measure the experience? Um, what's the best voice of customer program we can do? Um, so even the processes in CX management were uh, considered and and that best of bro- both approach really helped culturally for everyone to feel like they were um, joining together rather than, you know, one company was eating another.
1: So I want to go I want to go a little deeper on one more of those collaboration strategies, uh, build an insights engine, and there's a lot of emphasis on partnering with marketing. This is where that little tension between who's the CX leader, because I know that every CMO out there believes that they are the champion for the customer. So um, let's talk about that that partnership with marketing and the CX leader, and then uh, go a little bit deeper on building an insights engine as a collaboration strategy.
2: Yeah, well, the marriage between marketing and CX actually is a natural one. Um, and they can complement each other uh, very well. I mean, there are a few ways that they can do that, either around brand, right? That marketing is setting the tone with brand and CX is figuring out how to deliver on that brand promise. Another area is that I mentioned earlier, prospect journeys, right? If you can optimize customer journeys, why not use it to deliver growth for the company? And if we think about insights and CX, and that's something you mentioned, Keith, It's the most powerful when insights aren't just to report what happened um, or to analyze what happened. It's most powerful when you are looking for white space opportunities. What can we find that our competitors are not doing? Because when it comes down to it, um, customer obsession and customer experience are about competitive advantage. And we've got some good examples of that. One of them is an insurance company, Ping An Insurance in China. Um, So they built an insights engine around the claims experience. And we know for property and casualty, life insurance, the claims experience, the claims journey is the most important moment that matters. And for them, they decided to analyze traffic patterns with insights and get to the scene of an accident within 10 or 15 minutes in most cases, hopefully ahead of the ambulances, right? But talk about a great claim experience when that adjuster is right there. Um, another great example is a company called Gojek. Um, they are Indonesia's fastest growing logistics company and financial services company. They started out as motorcycle rideshare, and they hired a combination of drivers and data scientists to figure out what people wanted. Um, since they were driving people to the doctor and driving people to the bank, they decided to provide telehealth, telepharmacy, banking services, logistics services, and that's why they're the fastest growing financial services firm. They don't drive people to the bank anymore, they provide online banking, which is an interesting way of getting ahead of the market with Insights.
1: The idea of using Insights to for this particular strategy uh, is pretty intuitive. It, it steals the lead, but it sounds like you need really good data and connective platforms to make that one happen. So does the partnership with the CIO or a CTO, you know, come in the, you know, come into the spotlight here? Because without good data, there's no insights.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is not just about pivot tables here. It's an investment in platforms. And, And as Angelina talked about Virgin Money, that was another thing that Virgin Money did really well in their merger. They updated all their backend platforms and systems so they could serve customers better. And they used it as an advantage to get customers to switch. Uh, they came up with some new banking products. They emphasized in all their marketing communications, "We'll help you switch. We'll do all the switching for you. We'll take care of your auto pays. We'll take care of your beneficiary. Work all of your um, all of your accounts." And because the backend systems were so smooth, it was easy to get them to switch. And I think they grew relationship deposits by twenty percent in a year,
0: just by stealing market share from other banks. In your client conversations, are some of these initiatives, when we talk about collaboration, it's like, you know, getting people to kind of move in one direction together, right? And oftentimes, I'm I'm assuming this starts with the CX leader and the CX function and kind of propagating out. But are you finding now, because that collaboration has occurred or people are understanding the vision and bought in, that now leaders, whether it's business unit leaders or, I don't know, you know, the CIO or the marketing leader or coming to the CX team saying, hey, I have an idea or how do we use this data to, um, you know, make the, this particular customer ex- experience better? Is it sort of going back and forth amongst the teams? Is that more common in client conversations? Are you seeing that?
3: Yeah, we are seeing that. Um, one example actually, and it's a it's a great example because it it positioned TGI Fridays to be ready for the pandemic by being a more mobile ordering experience. So the CMO actually took charge and said, okay, CX is amazing. We really need to build out this whole operation so we can be journey centric. Put CX teams with operations with digital, combined them into customer teams, and ensured that all the expertise was focused around Journey and and spread out so that they could solve for customers that wanted curbside pickup. And again, this was before the pandemic, a great testament to being prepared for pivoting on um, consumer needs and what what consumers are going to expect in the future. Um, so yeah, CMO deciding to buy into CX um, and taking action there. Um, and we see a lot of examples of CIOs now that are coming to us that say, not only do we want to play a role in CX instead of being, you know the budget holders or being reactive or just being being tasked with things once they've been decided, we want to be a part of that uh, customer culture and feel like we get our, our leaders in the CIO group get a say in how the customer experience is run because we have insights too. We've learned a lot about the user experience and how we can deliver a great user experience.
1: So there's a lot of choices to be made with selecting the right strategy. Um, Do you guys have any tips on where to start? It seems to me that translating the CX vision might be the one that everybody should embark on uh, to be a companion to one of the other four. Uh, Do we have some advice to offer there?
3: Yes. So definitely you want a CX vision that everyone is bought into, or at least the most influential people are bought into. And then you also have to think, how do we keep momentum after creating this vision? Uh, A lot of folks write a vision and then nothing happens. So to operationalize around that vision, one thing is to understand collaboration strategies and come with an end goal in mind. Um, So yeah, we're data geeks. We have this vision. We're gonna connect with other teams that are also data geeks. Um, but what are we actually going to do? So that's where having a shared roadmap comes into play. There's a lot of tools that need to come into place. You need to be smart about your program management. Um, you need, you know, to, to regularly meet with everyone and show progress against that roadmap. Um, and so it's not enough to say we work the same ways and we have the same vision, you have to actually have a good idea of what's going to get done. When, how quickly and who can make it happen.
2: Yeah, and if you're not leveraging your strengths, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, right? You're in, you're you're introducing risk into your investments, and you're not taking advantage of opportunities. So c- competitively, you're much better off if you do leverage your strengths and your skills across the org.
3: The other thing I wanted to add is this isn't just about internal collaboration. That's where our research started, but if you look at Um, a company that is doing really well with collaborating with their customers in a B2B2C world, for example. MasterCard is all about co-creation. For example, for the Traveler journey, that Traveler hits on so many vendors throughout their journey. Um, So they have gone co-creation first with anything they're designing, and they also need to use collaboration strategies so that they can work well with their customers and actually achieve something by the end of the project. It's one thing internally to work on a project and then scrap it. No one's embarrassed, but if you have effective collaboration strategies to work with your customers, then you want to make sure that you're on the right track.
1: So 2023 is right around the corner. Everybody uh, everybody's starting the plan. You look at how you might want to reorganize, where you may want to put your investments, set up your priorities. Um, and we're talking transformation here. Uh, but it, it's not going to be business as usual in 2023. I mean, we have the economic instability, which then means you may be short staffed in certain areas. Your culture is certainly going to be under stress. What's the advice for twenty twenty three planning if you're you know you know you need to go under a CX transformation uh, initiative?
2: Well, you need a North Star, right? You need your CX vision. It needs to be aligned with your brand vision. You may need to recalibrate it, but you also need to find out what are you trying to do with this? Um and you're trying to make CX and customer focus concrete. not just we love our customers, we care about them, but here's what we're going to do. Um, to differentiate ourselves and create value for our customers.
3: I don't want to give anything away on our 2023 predictions for the future of work, but I will say that you are not going to be able to hire a team of 50 new CX associates to get everything you want to get done. So collaboration strategies are your way to get those uh, extra helping hands from throughout your organization that untapped potential to make progress on your roadmap
1: sounds like great advice thank you both thank you angelina thank you sue great episode
3: thanks for having us thank you
0: if you like what you heard today subscribe to forester's what it means podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts or your favorite podcast player to continue the conversation follow forester on twitter Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.